Hi, this is Billy Briscoe from the Briscoe Group, a minority-owned firm founded right here in Houston. Stuck in a business dispute, injured at work, a bad auto accident, we're standing by day and night ready to fight for you. Put the law on your side with Houston's top legal team. Schedule a free consultation at thebriscoelawfirm.com. Call us at 713-752-2600. Put the law on your side with Houston's top legal team because every client matters. Anthems to the Lamb. Charles Spurgeon had high praise for Psalm 114, the second in the series of psalms known as the Egyptian Hallel and sung as a part of Israel's Passover ceremony. Spurgeon said, this sublime song of the Exodus is one and indivisible. True poetry has reached its climax. Spurgeon says, no human mind has ever been able to equal, much less to excel, the grandeur of this song. Psalm 113 called on the servants of the Lord to praise the Lord as members of a great congregation, spanning every nation and every generation, uniting heaven and earth in everlasting praise for the work of God who humbles himself to raise us to the highest place. In Psalm 114, written by Isaiah, it is as if this great congregation turns to address the whole earth. All creation is mobilized for the liberation of the people of God. The Red Sea participates the Jordan River participates, the mountains and the hills participate. Thus, when the water recedes, they are understood to withdraw in terror before Yahweh's show of power. The mountains and the hills could be understood as either rejoicing or responding in terror. Either way, what is claimed is that the exodus is the event that is so momentous that even the fixed cosmos becomes unfixed. The humble God is exalted and the exalted elements of nature are humiliated because nothing is secure Nothing stays in its place when the God of liberation decides to make his move. As the second in the Hillel 
sequence of psalms sung at the joyous festivals of Judaism and at the feast of Passover, Psalm 114 had a crucial role to play in connecting place and people with meaning and hope. The celebrants are reminded that they have come to be where they are and who they are by the self-manifestation of the God who rules people and time. And this morning we are where we are and who we are because of the self-manifestation of God who move obstacles out of our way to turn them into opportunity. There are three exoduses in Psalm 114. First of all, there is the exodus from Egypt. Israel's redemption from Egypt through the exodus was the central act of deliverance under the old covenant. It was to be constantly remembered and constantly celebrated. And Psalm 114 joins in that celebration. Though they lived in Egypt for over 400 years, Israel did not belong in Egypt. Egypt was never their home. Because God promised their father Abraham a homeland. But they wound up in Egypt as the honored and privileged guests of the Egyptian Pharaoh through Joseph. You remember Joseph who was hated by his brothers, sold to a Midian, Midianite caravan who brought him into Egypt and he wound up a servant in Potiphar's house. While a servant in Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. He ran from the seduction, wound up in a dungeon. While in the dungeon, he met a baker and a butler who started dreaming one day. And Joseph, who was given God this God given gift to interpret dreams, interpreted their dream. He told the baker that you will be dead by this time tomorrow. But he told the butler, You're going to rise back to your position. And when you get there, remember who interpreted your dream. Two years passed by. And Pharaoh started dreaming. And nobody could interpret Pharaoh's dream. And a butler remembered that there was a young man from Israel who was able to interpret dreams. You're going to help me preach this, won't you? He interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. He started riding second chariot. He wound up prime minister in all of Egypt. And God arranged that there was a famine in Goshen, but there was grain in Egypt. The same brothers who sold him to this caravan had to go to Egypt to buy some grain and Joseph hid himself from them for a while but he eventually said to them, you meant this for evil but God has meant it for good. The children of Israel wind up in Egypt as honored and privileged guests but the Bible says there arose a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph nor Joseph's God. 
And these same people who came as guests of Pharaoh are now slaves for 400 years. They go, on, they go to sleep every night on tear-stained pillows crying, God, send us a deliverer. But while they are moaning, God is moving. A baby is born to Yoshebed and Amram. And God has his hand on that baby. And, and the Bible says, the Bible says he's a goodly child. God has his hand over Moses. And they hide him in a basket of bulrush and pitch and float him in the Nile River. And God arranges for Pharaoh's daughter to come to the Nile to take a bath. And when she gets there, at the right time, God moves that basket and the baby starts crying. Pharaoh's daughter says, should I get somebody to do the nursing? And God had Moses' sister Miriam standing right there. Miriam comes back with Yoshebed, Moses' mother, and she raises him in the splendor of Egypt. But while suckling at his mother's breast, she gets it over to him. You are up here with them, but you are not one of them. You are one of us. And we ought to get it over to our people. You are not one of them. You are one of us. I know you work with them every day. I know you go to lunch with them every day. I know you carpool with them every day. But you are not one of them. You are one of us. I know you think I'm talking about white folk now, but I'm talking about black folk now. You're not one of them who don't go to church. You're not one of them who don't believe God is a way maker. You are not one of them who can't trust God with your money. You are not one of them who sleep in on Sunday morning. You are not one of them. You are one of us. And that's why you can shout with me this morning. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. My steps were almost gone. My feet had well nigh slipped when I saw how the wicked prospered and the righteous suffered. But then I went in the sanctuary and brothers and sisters hear me. I know you can worship God at your house, but that's something about worshiping God at his house. Have I got a witness here? When you get with other brothers and sisters and people of like mind and like spirit, people who've been through something, there's something about worshiping with other believers. Yeah. And when Moses is full grown, he sees a, a Hebrew being abused by an Egyptian, kills him and buries his body in the sand. Some days later, some Hebrews are quarreling and Moses gets between them and they say, are you gonna kill us? Like you killed that soldier the other day. And Moses, who was reared in the splendor of Egypt, is now a fugitive from Egyptian justice. He runs to the backside of the Midian desert and while there, God sets a bush on fire. The bush is burning, but it's not being consumed. 
There's fire on that bush. Fire over that bush. Fire in that bush. But it's not being consumed. And Moses draws near to this unusual sight. And from that burning bush, God speaks a word to Moses. Take your shoes off. For the ground you stand on is holy ground. I've heard the cries of my people by reason of their taskmasters and I am now come down to deliver them. And brothers and sisters, it may look like God is taking a long time to answer your prayers. It may look like God is never going to come to your rescue, but if you just wait a minute, while you are moaning, God is moving. Keep on praying for that boy. God going to get him off of drugs. Keep on praying for that girl. God will have her singing in the choir. Keep on trusting in God. He'll make your enemies your footstool. You know the rest of the story. He sends Moses to Pharaoh to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And nine times, Pharaoh hardens his heart. But the tenth time, God hardened it for him. I, I, one of these days, I'm, I'm going I'm to preach this. Every plague in Egypt is God refuting an Egyptian God. Every plague that happened in Egypt is God refuting, overthrowing an Egyptian God. The last one he overthrew was the God of life and death because God told Moses to tell the people to get some bitter herbs and sprinkle blood on the doorposts and on the lintels for tonight the death angel will fly over and every house that is not covered by the threefold blood mark every house that does not have the sprinkling of blood the firstborn in that house is going to die and you in lily grove this morning because your house was covered not by blood on the doorpost, but by the blood of the Lamb who shed his blood for your sins and for mine. And we are here this morning. What can wash? I wish I had time to stay right there. But brothers and sisters, hear me. God showed up and delivered them. Because Pharaoh cannot contain God. Nor can Pharaoh stall omnipotence. Pharaoh cannot annul the Lord's covenant. Nor can Pharaoh break God's resolve. The Lord who hid himself among them when they were slaves makes himself known when they come out of Egypt. God does not put himself on full view 
But he allows such a glimpse of his glory and power that creation goes into convulsions. Seas retreat and mountains leap. Let me see if I can help somebody this morning. God not only delivers to make you shout, he also delivers to make your enemies tremble. And the inference is, you better leave her alone. You better take your hands off of her. You better shut your mouth about him. Because when you belong to the Lord, God will go to any lengths necessary to deliver you. When he walked out of your life, he said, I'm going to make sure you don't ever have anything. But God walked into your life. And now you're walking around in a brand new house. Because God knows how to shut the mouths of your enemies. They said you'd never be anything and you'd never go anywhere without me. Look how far God has brought you. Look how many doors God has opened for you. God got you up here and they down there looking up at you. He'll prepare a table before you. In the presence of your enemy. He'll anoint your head with oil. So that your cup is just running over. It's something like this. You can't spend that money before God sends this money. You can't get through shouting over this blessing before God sends another blessing. You can't get through praising over this miracle until God sends you another miracle. I wish I had somebody here who knows how to shout, who knows how to praise God for just small stuff. Just peace of mind. Just a good night's sleep last night. No fussing, no arguing with no Negro, no fighting, no trying to figure out how you're going to stay away so you don't have to come back to that mess. You just drive up to your house and say, thank you. Is there anybody here? I said, is there anybody here? Just learn how to shout over a good night's sleep. And then you know the story. God hardens Pharaoh's heart. And then Pharaoh relents and allows them to leave Egypt. Going out of Egypt, two million strong. And they run up against an obstacle. They get to the Red Sea. For them, it's an obstacle. But for God, it's an opportunity.
the people start grumbling. Moses, you done brought us out here to kill us. You should have left us in Egypt. Now these same people who cried for 400 years, Lord sent us a deliverer. The deliverer comes. At, at least we had something to eat in Egypt. Must have been some of my nieces and nephews in that crowd. At, at least we had grain and, and garlic and onions and you brought us out into the wilderness to kill us. And Moses cries to God. God says, why are you crying to me? Use what you have in your hand. Now, I really want you to get this. They are not at the Red Sea because Moses got lost. They are at the Red Sea because God took them there. And the mess you are in right now is not because you are lost. God took you there because he wants to get glory out of your mess to make your enemies shut their mouth. God took them to the Red Sea so that Exodus chapter 14 and verse 4 can make sense. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will follow after you and I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts. Here it is, that the Egyptians may know that I am is the Lord. And the reason perhaps God is letting you go through is so that your enemies will know that I am is still the Lord. I think I tried to tell you the other week, sometimes what you go through ain't for you. Somebody sitting on your pew might have to go through it this week. And if they see you cutting up after you've come out of your stuff and God has delivered you from your storms and God has answered your prayers, you might want to tell them before church is over, I don't know what you're going through, but this too will pass. God will make a way out of no way. As a matter of fact, next Sunday, I don't want you to do it now because they're paying attention. But next Sunday, tell somebody sitting on your row, if you can't stand racket and noise, you might try to sit somewhere else next week. Because I've been praying about something. I've been asking God to do something. I've been needing God to deliver me. I've been waiting on God to come through for me. And I just got a feeling that everything is going to be all right. That God is going to come to my rescue. And you think I'm cutting up this morning? You ought to be here next week when I get my breakthrough. You might not want to sit in this section because I'm going to make some noise. I'm going to knock your hat off your head. I'm going to holler and cut up. Because just like I hollered when I was in trouble, I'm going to holler when God delivers me.
No, this ain't no fake shouting I'm doing this morning. I'm shouting from history. I'm shouting because of what he's already brought me through. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm running out of time. But it is noticeable. It is noticeable that the exodus is thought of in its completeness. Not only escape from Egypt, but entrance into the promised land. The spiritual significance is that the parting of the Red Sea commences the exodus. And the drying up of the Jordan River culminates the exodus. Both events are separated by 40 years, but it seems like it's the same event. Because one of them guarantees the occurrence of the other of them. The exodus starts with Moses and is completed with Joshua. Here is the spiritual significance. Salvation is not just God delivering you from something. God has got to bring you into something. It's not enough to come out the club. You got to go in the church. Somebody ought to help me preach it. It's not enough to be delivered from sin. You've got to also be delivered into righteousness. Uh, God has got to take you from a place to bring you to another place. Because out of the world and not in the church is like being almost pregnant. Either you is, <laughs> yeah, you got it. No, 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 no. It's not enough to talk about what you stopped doing. What have you stopped doing? I, 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 I stopped cussing. Well, you start lying. I stopped eating so much. Well, you start gossiping. Somebody ought to help me talk here. Deliverance from sin is deliverance from everything that's keeping you from being the holy person that God wants you to be. And even when you fall in that, you got a phone protector. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind, even though you fall, keep your mind on him. That's Exodus from Egypt. But in that same Psalm 114, as I hurry, there's Exodus from sin. What, e what Egypt was to Israel in the Old Testament is the same thing sin represents to us in the New Testament. 
slavery. For those who are under the new covenant in Jesus, the work of Jesus at the cross and at the empty tomb becomes the central act of God's redemption. Just like the Exodus was the central act in the Old Testament, Calvary is the central act in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, just as the Jews commemorate the Passover at Yom Kippur, we are likewise called to constantly remember and celebrate what God did for us by sending Jesus to die on the cross. When we take the Lord's Supper this morning, he says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show forth my death. You remember the price I paid for your salvation. Now, brothers and sisters, as I hurry back at the first Passover, the blood of many lambs was sprinkled on many doorposts meaning that the death angel had passed over. Now, today, this morning, right now, Jesus is the lamb. His blood shed will save his people from their sins. Jesus will go out to face an enemy greater than Pharaoh and a river deeper than the Jordan. He will battle Satan over our souls. This is the real Exodus, beloved. Because while the other Exodus in the Old Testament was a type of Christ, for our salvation, Christ came himself. Listen to me. Moses stood on the shores of the Red Sea with no scars. Moses delivered a bedraggled people with the smell of brick dust still in their garments, fashioned them into a nation, brought them over the Red Sea on dry ground with no scars. But Jesus will stand on the shores of everlasting deliverance and how we will recognize him is with the scars in his hand and the scars in his feet because the battle was not over in Egypt. The battle was over at Calvary. Somebody ought to help me close here. God started something in Egypt, but God finished it at Calvary. God instituted something uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, but God finished it at Calvary. Because, because Exodus in Egypt is just half the story. You got to keep on traveling from the Exodus in Egypt. And you got to keep traveling from Mount Sinai where the law was given. And you got to keep on traveling from Mount Hermon where Jesus was transfigured. You got to keep on traveling to a hill called Calvary because the work was not done at Egypt. The work was done at Calvary. If the work had been done in the Exodus, Jews would be saved by now. 
But the work had to finish at Calvary because when Jesus died on the cross, he knocked out forever an intermediary between God and man. Because brothers and sisters, the reproach of Egypt was negated at Gilgal. But the reproach of sin was negated at Calvary. You're going to help me close this, won't you? Thank God for Calvary. I praise God for what Jesus did at the Exodus. I give God the glory for what Jesus did in the Passover. But when God shows up in a mighty way, not only does God deliver his people in such a fashion that they shout over his marvelous works, but God's enemies looks and takes notice of what God is doing in the life of his children. Let me see if I can help you with that. When God opened the Red Sea, it didn't look like very much. When God opened the Jordan River, only the children of Israel shouted. But then the people at Jericho heard about it. And they put up some walls around the city of Jericho because they heard of what God did in Egypt down at the Red Sea. They heard what God did at the Jordan and they put up some walls around Jericho because they figured if God could open a Red Sea, if God can open the Jordan on dry ground, we better put up some walls to keep the God of Israel from destroying us here at Jericho. But then God's providence took another turn at Jericho because they thought because he opened the Red Sea, he was going to do the same thing at Jericho. They thought because he dried up the Jordan, he was going to do the same thing at Jericho. But God is kaleidoscopic in the way he delivers his children. He said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to march around the walls of Jericho and then go and sit down and then get up the next morning and walk around the walls and go home and sit down. I want you to do that for six days. But then on the seventh day, march around the walls seven times and just start shouting and watch the walls come tumbling down. If you don't think shouting does something, why don't you just try it a minute? Have you any rivers that you think are uncrossable? Have you any mountains that you cannot tunnel through? God specializes. Is there anybody here? No, he will do what no other power is able to do. God is able. I said God is able. He'll open your Red Sea. He'll dry up your Jordan River. He'll knock down your Jericho walls. But that's not all God will do. He'll come to a place called Calvary. Die for your sins. Rise for your justification. 
and this morning he'll give you a brand new walk he'll give you a brand new talk he'll open doors that will close in your face he'll put money in your pocket shoes on your feet clothes on your back is there anybody here ever had a Red Sea experience is there anybody here ever had a Jordan River experience won't God do it won't God show up won't he show up and make a way out of no way won't he come see about you and make your enemy your footstool won't he answer your prayer won't he hear your cry won't he dry your tears if you know he will and you're not ashamed to testify if you got your own story and you don't care who's looking at you if he's already made a way and you don't mind being a witness this is the day that the Lord has made we will rejoice and be glad in it we will give God some praise we will open our mouths we will stretch our glad hands we will let somebody know it was nobody but Jesus nobody 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 why don't you look at somebody tell them you don't know like I know you haven't been through what I've been through but look at me I'm a testimony I didn't make it on my own I'm not standing here alone it was Jesus a rock in a weary land Jesus a shelter in a time of storm Jesus a battle axe in the time of a battle Jesus God's only son he died didn't he die but brighter Sunday morning he got up with all power in his hands do you know him have you tried him why don't you tell your neighbor he's been good to me 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 he's been good to me. he's been better to me than i've been to myself thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you
Jean, 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 I'm cutting up now you think I'm praising God now but just like the rocks and the hills and the rivers and the mountains participated in the exodus just like the rocks and the hills and the mountains participated at Calvary one of these days, the rocks, the hills, and the mountains will participate. When he comes back, he's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. Will you be ready? Will you be ready? Why don't you tell somebody, I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready. He's coming back. He's coming back. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Yes, he will.